Hello again, everyone. I'm Dan Duva. Welcome to the SLGND podcast. Sheriff Lawless and some guy named Dave presented by the D Hotel. Season three underway for the Golden Knights, starting with victories at home and on the road against the division rival San Jose Sharks. Who has stood out for Vegas? How have they done it? And look at those rookies, Cody Glass and Nick Haig making their NHL debuts. With a couple of players still out, Cody Eakin, Alex Tuck up front, plus Nate Schmidt out on defense. What might the roster look like when those players get healthy? We talk about all of that and we look around the National Hockey League, questions in the mailbag, and special guest owner of the D, Derek Stevens. It's SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. And now, here's Dave! All right, Dan Duva, you're the best. That sure. was way better than the last one. That was, that was, might have been when you were very You best. jumped. You came that out of the That was fantastic. Yeah. The acoustics here are yeah, wonderful. Right. Yes. Wow. I don't care what they say, and they say a lot about you, but you're the best. Oh, too kind. Welcome to the Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Hashtag SLGND, coming to you from the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. Our table for four corner booths at the Great Andiamo Steakhouse. Here at the D, Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva. So the Golden Knights are on a pace to go 82-0. <laughs> so that's the good news. But uh, still a long way to go for this team, guys. But um, coming off two very impressive wins to start the season. They sweep the home-and-home home against San Jose. I think they've seen enough of the Sharks for a while, right? 11 games against them when you go back. Playoff series, practice games. And the two regular season games. 11 uh, out of 16. 11 right? out of 16. Yeah. Time to change up the opponent, and they'll do that here. They're not going to see the Sharks people again until um, right around Thanksgiving. Shane, what did you – well, let me back up for a second. The two wins, uh, they weren't really that close, right? It, no. The Golden Knights won those games handily. Uh, the, the score was closer than it should have been. Right. So what – when you look at those games now, 4-1 at home, 5-1 in San Jose, what did you take from those games? What did you learn from those games? Uh, well, initially, what I see is a team that's determined. I think they they came with some swag this year. That they're like, there's a swagger to their style. It's back to that identity we saw consistently through year one. The way they played, they did not come off their game at all. They weren't phased. You know, they're unfazed. They played to their structure, to their identity. That fast-paced, relentless forecheck did not allow San Jose to gain any rhythm, any momentum whatsoever. And that's what they did to teams in that. Well, they did. They had two great years, but I think in the first year, they smothered teams. They took the will out of the opposition. And through these first two games, that's exactly what they've done. They've played to that identity. They've played the Golden Knights style of brand of hockey that they want to play. Uh, and they've done it consistently, which is the big word. They need to be a consistent team. I think we've heard that a lot out of uh, out of the room this year from players, saying that's one, one area they certainly want to be better this season. And uh, they looked fired up. They looked ready to go right through preseason and to start this regular season. So real good start to the year for them, and, and they just need to continue on. Lawman, what did you take out of two pretty convincing wins? What's the old expression? Show me, don't tell me. They talked a real good game last year, but they weren't. It wasn't the same. And this was right off the hop. This team looks hungrier, more more dedicated, more committed, more on a mission. Uh, that's not really a that's not really a word, more on a mission. I don't know how it's a, a phrase. phrase, but not a good phrase, but you know <laughs> what I'm saying. They, they this team looks determined. And it's they do all the little things. The zone entries are 
it's not about it's not about being fancy. They're playing direct hockey. They get to the blue line if it's not, there's not something there. They've they've moved it they've moved it in nicely. Not a lot of turnovers at that offensive blue line, and uh, they've had three major injuries. You're missing Nate Schmidt, Cody Eakin, and Alex Tuck. And last year, you took those three guys out of the lineup, and it would have really it would have. They took the one guy out. Yeah, it would have meant trouble. Right. And this year, they throw Cody Glass in. That line, second line, hasn't missed a beat. They bumped Stadsny down to play where Eakin normally would be. We haven't seen, we've seen offense in terms of opportunity. They haven't really, um, they haven't really converted yet. And then the fourth line, uh, like, uh, is Thomas Nosek, is he, like, we talk, do you talk about teams year over year getting better? And everyone always points to who they added. Well, to me, it's internal growth as well. And Tom, Thomas Nosek through two games looks like the, he's the best he's ever played for the Golden Knights because he's at center ice. And he said to me, he goes, I played center all my life. Dan Duva has watched Nosek play at a really high level in the American League and the Calder Cup Finals at center ice. And we saw him. He got he got on a real nice roll against Winnipeg and uh, in the Western Conference Final a couple of years ago. This is the best he's played. And I think that's a huge factor for them. First yeah. ever three-point game, by Exactly, the way, Dave. Th- first, Saturday. first time he Friday. had three points in a game. And, and the second time that he had two goals in a game. The only other time was game one of the Stanley Cup final. Before that, it was game one of the Calder Cup final in the American League that Gary referenced. Yeah, I mean, think about it. They got three goals from the fourth line. I'd have to go back and check through all the games in Golden Knights history. When's the last time three goals came from the fourth line? Right, and uh, you know there there are a number of other things that that group does beyond producing goals. That's not the point. I, I think that what you brought up, Shane, with regard to the that desire, uh, think about especially in the first game, they scored within the first five and a half minutes of each period. That is a hallmark of what they did in year one, and so much of that was probably the you know T-Mobile Arena, you know, just overwhelming the opponents, and the Golden Knights thrived on that. Maybe in year two. They, I, I don't know if you take it for granted, but it's not the same effect as it was in year one. But now, and Max Pacioretty said it after the uh, the last preseason game. You know, we we didn't come out as well as we should have. We eventually found our game, but we really have to start. It seems to me that they have had very good starts, not only to the first two games, but to each period, too. That was a hallmark of the team two years ago, too, right? They come out, they put right. you on your heels early. And then, you know, the, the Sharks talked about it after the loss the first game. They said, you have to get out of the first 10 minutes. And if you don't, then it makes it a much longer night. Well, they couldn't get out of the first five and a half minutes. They were down 2 nothing. I took out of it speed, tenacity, hunger, and the penalty kill has outscored the power play 3-1. to one. <laughs> So that's good so far. Well, it's not great for the power play, but their ability shorthanded to put teams on their heels, to seize the moment when they see the opposition in danger. Three shorthanded goals in two games is, is ridiculous. Let me give you a little stat. The average... Time of possession, shots generated by the by the shorthanded team in the NHL is around fifteen percent per per penalty kill situation. When Smith and Carlson are on the ice right now, they're operating at around thirty two percent. They get they are getting thirty two percent of the shots when they are on the ice in a four on five situation. That's double, more than double the league average. That speaks exactly to what you're saying, Dave. Yeah. Those guys have become the best penalty killing duo in the National Hockey League. They had to put on your thinking cap for those numbers. 
That's a lot. Someone of nice the first two. <laughs> a lot of research. It's a small sample size, but it's impressive, right? <laughs> well, Smith was number one in the league last year. Last at year around, too, yeah. They are on Thursday at around a thirty, and Carlson was fifth in the league. So uh, uh, it's just a continuation of what they were doing last year. And they're year. probably not going to keep up this pace of shorthanded goal scoring. But I, know. <laughs> I would hope they would. <laughs> but but remember when Arizona, even when you know they 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 finished pretty well and and were not too far off a playoff spot, but we knew how strong their scoring was on the penalty kill, and that would be one of the the things to keep in mind. So right. your power play going up against a team that is so dangerous shorthanded, thinking about an opponent's point of view, you have to imagine that other teams' power plays won't be as aggressive because they know how dangerous Golden Knights are shorthanded. They have nine shorthanded goals last year. I think it was 11. 11. 11. So they've got a th- not quite a third of those already. Look at the math. Speaking, How many did Arizona have last year? Arizona had... I want to say they had 16, 16, but they went on that run they had like six, six right. or eight games, yeah. right? Early on. they scored shorthanded. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned it, um, Shane and Gary both kind of touched on it. Their ability, and you always get concerned with any injury, but you're taking key pieces out. Schmidt's their best all-around defenseman. Eakin's coming off a career best 22 goals. Tuck had 20 last year. I always get a little bit worried about, in the short term, sometimes teams can get by. Well, Schmidt's not going to play for a little while. Neither is Tuck. Eakin, who knows? Maybe they get a busy week starting tomorrow against Boston. Um, But they're much more equipped now than they ever have been to get through those injuries and withstand those injuries. And it's the talent that they're bringing in. They're not bringing in American League guys, American League free agents that you have to play on the fourth line. They're bringing in guys that Cody Glass, you put them on your second line, and you bring in Nick Haig, and he... Both power play guys. Yeah, you know, so there you go. They're both guys that you said skill. the skill level. The skill yeah. level's elevated. Now you're seeing, you know, that that pool that they stocked. Not only, you know, for you got the players they needed for those first two years, but now the amateur draft and how important it is to building an organization. And you see it now with those skilled players, two high picks in 2017. Well, two of them are gone. So the other two, and and Cody Glass to me is the best of the bunch. And Nick Hag for defenseman is the only one of the bunch, but he he is a he has so much potential because there's lots of things. He's going to improve on a lot of things. The one thing he doesn't need to improve on, and nobody else you can teach, is six foot six and a, and a wingspan and a reach. When he utilizes that stick and the strong defensive positioning, and he'll continue to learn, it just takes away so much on the ice. And Dave, we had a conversation with Nate Schmidt about this, who yeah. said he's going to learn. Like he can take away passes in the neutral zone just by having a stick in the right area that forces teams to lose puck possession, whether decision making or whether he cuts it off. So they start they. They look and it's not there because he covers an extra two feet. I've been having fun watching Glass because he's one of those guys oh, he's smart. that the first time you watch him, you obviously see some good things. But the more that you watch him, the more good stuff you see. And the thing that I noticed on Saturday night was his stick. And especially in the offensive offensive zone when he didn't have the puck. He's got some Mark Stone in him. He gets that stick in the right spots, breaks plays up. He created a goal with his stick doing just that on Saturday night. And Shane, it's the one thing to have long arms and, and, and a long stick. It's the other thing to have the instinct and the hockey IQ to put the stick in the right place. Absolutely. And for me, Cody Glass, those 22 playoff games last year in the Calder Cup run is a prime example. You have to play pro. In junior, he can get away with cheat. Absolutely. He could cheat 
on the offensive side of the puck. But when he came there, and I'm guarantee Rocky Thompson made sure there was an awareness on both sides of the puck. He learned the defensive uh, structure to the to the game as a centerman. There's a lot more to it, and exactly, I think he 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 learned so much in those 20 in that run to the Calder Cup Finals that you're seeing it now. Uh, he created the he set Mark Stone up for two pretty much what you would have thought goals. Uh, great save by Jones on the one on the backhand. The other one he just missed in front. Uh, there's little things. He, the passes he makes in the game, he creates more offense for them with just little passes, little plays that he reads the play as his head is shoulder checked before he goes into the puck to, to know where guys are on the ice. Uh, those are things that he, he's ahead of young players with his vision and hockey IQ. And adding to that, Shane, talking with Max Pacioretty about this topic exactly, it's not only that IQ and, and vision, it's also not forcing it. Max was talking about, okay, if I tell Cody I'm going to go here, make the pass here, he's smart enough to know if I'm covered or if I didn't get to the spot I thought I was going to be, he won't make the pass. He won't force it. And to to see that so early in the career of a 20-year-old at this increased speed level where the pace is higher, the intensity is higher, that seemed to, I mean, it impressed me, but it seemed to impress Max as well. Let's play a quick little game here, Gary. All right. <laughs> um, we went down this road a little bit on Lawless and Order the other night. Yep. And the cynic in me says this will take care of itself because they'll probably somebody else will probably get hurt. Put Eakin and Tuck back in the lineup. Then what? What do they do? I know. Shane had an idea. Shane wants to move someone to the wall. Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting thought. I, I'm, I'm of a number of thoughts. If I think this the the goal isn't right now. The goal is to have the best team on April third, fourth, yeah. fifth, whatever it is when the playoff starts. So determine what's best for Cody Glass's development in terms of getting to his ceiling. Because the quicker he gets closer to that ceiling, the better for the Golden Knights. And if and if George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon are pretty good at evaluating and developing, if they determine number one C in Chicago is better than two or three left or right wing in Vegas for him, then that's what you do. So long as you're going to continue to win games here, they're going to they're going to have some luxury here. This is a really good hockey team. They're going to beat a lot of teams with whatever lineup they put out there. So figure out what's best for that player. And we watching him play with elite players, you know, Bing, 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 the lights go off, right? This guy, when players can think like him. He fits in real nice. He so, has to be a top six. You're not yes. playing him. Yeah, below for sure. That. Right. For I, sure. It, to me, yeah. it, it doesn't seem that no matter how good you might have players in the American League, and, and remember, Brandon Peary in the American League, Daniel Carr in the American League, the Chicago Wolves have had some of the best yeah. scores in the AHL the last couple of years. Even if you were to put Cody with those two guys, wouldn't you rather have him develop with Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty on either side? That's just me. And then there's the other element of consistency to stay with those guys given that he has shown himself equal to that it's opportunity. Right. Well, that's it. If he's if he doesn't demonstrate that he deserves that chance, if yeah. he falters a bit, okay. But so far, it seems to me you, you keep him where he is. But okay, but let's have so let's have the fun. Let's let's move the bodies around. So you leave you so you bring Eakin and Tuck back. They're going to go into the lineup. So who comes out? Perry and Zekov. Okay. Yeah. All right. And you're going to play Eakin with put Statsy in the middle between Eakin and Tuck. Yeah, that's what I would do. That's what you yeah. would do. Interesting. And keep the other the top two lines the way they are. 
Yeah. See, I was all for breaking up that top line in the preseason. We talked about. We talked, oh yeah, yeah. everything we talked podcast. about last podcast didn't happen. <laughs> and then the next day, so we I don't know why practice. We, all of a sudden, exactly. Yeah, how yeah. They were and before. and they look pretty good right now, right? Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. So and, and and on that point, knowing Gerard Gallant, he's very loyal to his guys. It would yeah. not shock me to see he can come back center, stash and he move back up, and you know, I, I don't know. It but probably depends a, on how long, right? I mean, yeah. if it's if it's you know next Saturday yeah. or if it's a couple of more weeks, things. I mean, we're like talking. Said, if Cody Glass continues on this upward trend. Yeah. The, you can't. Right, that's, we're talking about two games here, right? I mean, the next yeah, two games yeah, could be the total small. opposite. Yeah. Let's put Shane into the locker room, okay? He's sitting in his defensive stall. He is a ten-year uh, veteran. Am I playing? Cut. Yeah, you're playing. You're in the lineup. You're in the lineup. <laughs> in the lineup. Good. But game time. I like you as a coach. But, but more importantly, you're getting you're, you're getting uh, you're getting 18 minutes a night. Oh wow! I'm you're, you're, very you're, you're tired. <laughs> Exhausted. Cody Eakin is across the across the, across the way from you. Yeah. He scored 22 last year at center, and he's in a contract year. And yeah. you guys all walk in there one day, and he, it says. Eakin, 21, left wing. What goes through the minds? Because that, we talk about the Golden Knights organization has a family. Well, sure, we're, we are the, the McCoys, the, the, us group right here. The players are the Joneses, the management are the Hatfields, however you want to, you know, but that, that brotherhood in the room, they look at that one guy and they say, huh, this is his chance to get another deal. He scored 22 for you last year, played wherever you wanted him to, up and down the lineup when other guys were hurt. And now in a contract year, you're moving him to the wall? What what did the guys say? Well, here's the thing. Yeah, normally, but you look at this team, and the numbers, when you look at the end of the night, you know, the time doesn't go much. You know, special teams is about the only difference in time, especially between those top three lines. And then I look and I go, well, Cody Eakin, he's, yeah, he's, he's on this. He's playing with Alex Tuck and Paul Stastny. Tough to complain about that. <laughs> yeah. Tough to complain so, about that. Would he rather problem. play on the fourth yeah. line? No, 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 I want to ask these this questions. This isn't an ordinary yeah. you know, third line if you want to sure. term it that. It, it, but it guys think about that, right? Oh, for sure you would. You know? if, if it was, you know, that's why Cody, you could not put on. Everybody's saying, well, he should be a fourth line. No. Can't do that. No. Cody, you don't for that, very, for that very exactly. reason, right? Yeah. But you see him on the third line playing with Paul Stash and Alex Tuck. You're like. Yeah, you know, or maybe maybe they could switch. It's one of those scenarios where okay, him and Stastny, first man back is low. They they can you know it's a seamless transfer. One of them understands the positioning. They're both very They're both smart. So yeah. smart. Yeah. No, yeah. it might be really good. It might be really good for Alex Tuck. Uh, I've hung around Shane Knighty way too much. I once wrote a column. That's your problem. I once wrote a column saying I didn't care if the play if, if the I said the players made enough. I don't care if they play if they make any more. And now I'm. I'm I'm advocating for Cody Eakin. <laughs> yeah, and his cash trying, exactly. You're, you're <laughs> well, here's the other thing, Gary. He scored 22 last year. Yeah, playing predominantly with Alex Tuck and whoever, somebody else. Yeah. on that left wing as a revolving door. Well, so. he sc- he did score a bunch when he moved up to second. Right, right. Yeah. 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 But, but, but Tuck yeah. was there because Mark Stone wasn't on the team yet, so it was right. Pacioretty, Eakin, and Tuck. That was right. the second line for a while. So it's good to have options. Yeah. Yeah. Really good problems to have. Well, the Golden Knights off to a great start. 2-0 out of the gates with a busy week coming up. The Sheriff Lawless Some Guy Named Dave podcast. In English, Some Guy Named Dave podcast. Brought to you by <laughs> the Great D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. And who better to have us joined uh, here at the Andiama, the Great Steakhouse restaurant at the D. But uh, Derek Stevens runs the whole show. 
He literally runs the whole show. Is that what your business card says? <laughs> runs the <laughs> runs whole the show. show. That'd be great. If it doesn't, it should. It's too I, many you know words. What? I know someone who has that business card. <laughs> yeah. She's a little blonde that stands beside you all the there time. All right. That's a boss. That's right. So, you know, I go on the uh, the Twitters, and I every other time I'm on there and I see your account, you're in a hard hat, you're over this big. Wait, are you building something of consequence nearby? Yeah, yeah, we're, uh, okay, we're yeah. rolling now. Yeah, where's all that stand? Uh, well, how far out is Coming it? along awesome. We, uh, yeah, we're building a new hotel casino resort called Circa Las Vegas. And uh, good thing is we are right on time and it should open uh, December of uh, 2020, December next year. So it's coming along. That's awesome. So, Where's the name Circa come from? You know, we wanted to build something that kind of represented all of uh, downtown and a little bit of Vegas history. So there's all these moments, you know, these great moments in Vegas history uh, that different thing, different things happen. So we uh, we kind of thought there were some great things that happened in the tw- 1920s and the 30s and 40s and 50s. So when people come into Circuit, they're going to have a lot of opportunity to have these wow moments that they're going to remember and take back to Main Street, USA. So we kind of want to represent a little bit of all of Vegas history here with all kinds of new amenities and fun things to do in, in downtown Las Vegas. I saw in your last post, uh, maybe it wasn't your last one, but the last one that I saw that you put out there, Derek, you guys were on time and on budget, which Correct. I would imagine is a minor miracle these days when you're building something of that scope and magnitude. Yeah, we're uh, we're fortunate. Our general contractor is uh, McCarthy. That's, that's the same uh, GC that's currently building um, the Raiders Stadium. Yeah. So uh, they've got all the equipment, they've got all the people, and that was a big uh, a big element in our in our uh, selection of McCarthy to help build this. They uh, they uh, they promised uh, they promised the on time delivery, and uh, so far everything's going well. Shane and I wanted to thank you by the way. So we didn't work the opener because uh, they didn't ask us. And uh, so we were free to just kind of well, jump we around. Jumped around. It went from sweet to sweet, and Shane's very popular. He's got a lot of people that knows people with sweets. I just I just follow him in. And the next thing you know, we're sta- hanging out with Derek Stevens. So that was thanks for having us. It oh, was, thanks. Uh, you guys are always in a row now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're always welcome. Yeah. In, uh, always welcome in, uh, in the D Las Vegas suite. That's for sure. Thanks for stopping by. Yeah, are you great. hitting that? Uh, First period over hard right now. Oh boy! It's, yeah. it's, it's one. Is that still the biggest? It's one point five. I'll tell you what. I uh, I, I mentioned uh, I ran into a few a few of the guys that you work with as part of the brass of uh, the Golden Knights. I go, did you hear the roar of the crowd on the second goal in that first period? <laughs> There's a reason that things are changing. That's right. I mean, I think after half the damn arena had over one and a half yeah. in the first period. So that's all it is. That's the bet. Is it's it's if they score if Vegas is it both teams combined or it's, it's just. Both team was, so both if there's more by. than if there's two goals in the first period, you win that prop. That's correct. What's it pay? Um, it depends on the odds. It depends on your plan. You know, I mean, if uh, you know, there's certain teams that uh, that have had uh, a big uh, big jump. Uh, there's a, there's a group last year called the Follow the Money Six. And, uh, you know, they went over in the first period at a rate of about 70%. So I know Tampa was in Tampa was in yeah. that mix and a few others. So if you have a couple high-scoring teams and teams that kind of come out with a big jump, um, the odds are, you know, you're going to have to you're gonna have to bet a little bit more to win the 100, you know. Yeah. So, But, boy, oh, boy, people just love this bet. <laughs> well, it's we're just, not allowed to yeah. gamble at I know all you're the National Hockey League, but we like to hear about it. Well, here's the thing now, Dan. We, we could, now that we know this, I think we should mix in a big goal for the Golden Knights and a lot of other people in the building. They're saying the Golden Golden Knights and everybody catches in on that one. There you go. I think so. I think so. That could be an ad on the the Golden Knights radio network. That's right. It could be the D Hotel. 
I, I think that's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. You remember those old days on Monday Night Football? Al Michaels used to oh, say yeah. something about midnight Eastern time. And now I think this game is really over or something like that. <laughs> this is going to be a great time here at the D, though, Derek. You've got the, the NHL's underway, obviously. NFL's going now about a month into it. Uh, Major League Baseball playoffs going on. The NBA is not too far down the road. It's uh, you guys must be cranking here every night. Yeah, I mean October, uh, October and March are the two best months in Las Vegas from a business perspective, and uh, yeah, from a sports perspective. Wow, I mean every night. I mean right now, uh, you got four base, four baseball playoff games today. You got hockey tonight. Everybody's excited. Bruins coming into town tomorrow to play at home against the Golden Knights. Uh, yeah, just a great, great sports month here, and I think it gets everybody excited. And here, what do you think of the Golden Knights? I know it's early, just two games, but uh, you've watched this team closely for the first two seasons. Do you think this is the best team they've put out? Boy, I, you know, I uh, I could tell you that this has been exciting. Uh, watching these lines come together, uh, you know, I'm excited to have a full season with Mark Stone. This yeah. is just a an amazing amazing uh, player to watch, and and, and just all all the, and you know all, all the excitement here. I know you were just talking about Cody Glass just recently seeing you know one of the younger guys come up and uh, Nick Hag and uh, um, yeah, I think everybody's every everybody's just really really excited this season. Are there props for the major awards, the Hart Trophy, for example, the MVP? Um, yeah, yeah, I think there are. There. It, 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 you'd be tempted to, to go with Stone in that direction. The problem is, is guys on the West Coast, he's already a little bit of a different flavor because he's not going to he's not going to lead the league in score. I think he's going to be. I think for me, I think he's going to show he's a heart guy yeah. this year. The way oh. he plays at both ends. But guys that play on the West Coast, there's more voters in the East, and they don't always stay up and watch the, the West difference. Coast games. The time difference can affect the guys. So mm. you want to be might want to be careful on that one. But I think it's an interesting. Yep. There's a free tip for you. There you go. Mark Stone, Mark Stone is one of those players, though. I think, you know, you hear how good he has been until you, you watch him. The appreciation for everything he does on the ice is just outstanding. Like these first two games, I think he, he could have five, six goals right oh, yeah. now. Like he creates more than anyone. And uh, he did that in Ottawa with a team that wasn't very good last year. Anything special coming up before I let you go here at the D, Derek? You want to... Uh... You want to pump? Other than every Golden Knights games on the huge TVs, yeah. Shane and I, our mugs on there. Uh, yeah, it's been great. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you what, the excitement level this year on uh, both both games. Uh, the home game, I wasn't here because I was at I was at uh, yeah. T-Mobile. But uh, but game two when uh, when we went on the road, uh, the crowd Friday night here, um, it was special. It was really really great, and uh, and I think that's what I'm most excited about. I think this year, you know, again, year one was just such a such a crazy year. Nobody really. Really knew what to expect and then how it evolved. Uh, year two, everybody was excited and then disappointed at the end. But but I think now this year, uh, I think there's more excitement level for hockey in Vegas than there ever has. It's been. just gross. Yeah, and then that's one thing I feel bad about. I, I would love to do, but I, it's just not possible. It's just, I would love to sit at the long bar and watch a hockey game. <laughs> the Golden Knights play. I think we should do Lawless and Order from the long bar yeah, some night. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think it's possible to yeah. call the game and watch yeah. from the yeah. long bar, no, but. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely. That would you be. You know what? We could. The atmosphere. Well, I don't know if they'd let oh, us. Yeah. Like, well, we if there's a game off. where we're not wanted again, we could shoot down here and maybe watch a period. Oh, hang we out could. With Derek and Banksy. We yeah. could do. We'll figure it out. We maybe. could get a hit going. I love yeah. to do that. That'd be all right. <laughs> That'd be all right. right. Derek, thanks. Great to see you. Thanks for stopping by. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Derek. The Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave podcast coming to you from the D Hotel in downtown 
Vegas, and be sure, if you can't stop by City National Arena, the official practice facility of the Golden Knights, bring the family, watch practice. Also, learn to skate like the pros. The state-of-the-art, beautiful City National Arena, downtown Summerlin. You can always check it out at citynationalarena.com. So the Golden Knights off to a 2-0 start as we sit here and talk. They've had a balanced attack, seven different goal scorers of the nine that have scored so far this year. Um, but they do have, Shane, a, a busy week coming up as we sit here on, on Monday afternoon. Boston Bruins here Tuesday, go to Arizona Thursday, and then a home-and-home. Home. Yeah. Not a home-and-home, home, but back-to-back, back, home against Calgary Saturday in L.A. Sunday. So now after the first two wins against San Jose, business is picking up, as I said. Well, it is, and, and it's time for them to, to find a way. This is, you know, it's a small sample size, two games against the team they felt they needed. There is a lot going into those two for the Golden Knights against the Sharks. Well, now you got a Boston Bruins team that a lot of teams maybe don't have their structure early in the year. The Bruins, the structure year to year is the same. They're, they're, they're on task, a dominant performance over Arizona where they did not give much. So this is going to be a, a different look for the Golden Knights, but uh, as the head coach of uh, the Golden Knights always says, they're going to worry about their game. And they've got to go out and execute the way they have through these first two. Boston's, uh, it's going to be a challenge. And I think, you know, Arizona's played them tight. Then Calgary's a good team. Uh, you go to L.A. in a, in a back-to-back situation. Uh, the Kings uh, aren't fans of the Golden Knights. There's a little rivalry there. So this is a real good week for them. Um, but I, I think uh, a good test here at T-Mobile against the Bruins for them to come out and, and really establish and pick up right where they left off in San Jose. I'm always a little leery, Gary, early in the year where, I'll give you an example, Peter DeBoer after the game, the second game, said, well, now we know where the bar in the Western Conference is, which that sounds great. But I will tell you this, I watched three preview shows before the season. All three had the Golden Knights going to the Stanley Cup Final. Mm -hmm. One of them had had the Golden Knights winning in a rematch against Washington. The other two, I think, had them losing to Tampa. Tampa. So, that being said... They have come out and played very well these first two games and met early season expectations. Uh, but this test this week against a Bruins team that went to the Cup Final last year, Arizona could have probably made the playoffs last year if they didn't weren't ravaged by injuries. It'd be good now to see them kind of start to settle in after two dominant wins against San Jose. Yeah, this is a real big week. And Calgary on the weekend is, yeah. you know, that's a team that I think, you know, you may have to go through to get to. Uh, the Stanley Cup final, so uh, or the Western Conference final, so a very important game there, and it'll be interesting to see what Gerard Lant does with his goalies because Flurry's played the first two, and there is a back-to-back coming up this weekend, but there's four this week. I'm not sure, and I to me it's really important you get Subban into a bit of a rhythm early. You need to on. get him in. I think I, think maybe, I think maybe he plays two this week. I think you play Flurry against the Bruins, maybe Subban against Arizona, Flurry back in there against Calgary, and then the team flies to uh, to L.A. for that game on Sunday, and you and you go with Subban there. Yeah, Flurry's not playing the back to back. No, uh, no. <laughs> situation. That, that that's. I would have no problem with that uh, setup at all for the for the goaltending rotation. And the other part of it is too, Dan, is that you know they've got to get Subban. You look at his numbers, and they're clear as day. His home record at T-Mobile, I think it's fourteen. What do you got there? Fourteen four and uh, three. If you if you go, it's fourteen two and one. Fourteen two and one in his career. Road, not so much. Yeah, and 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 on the road, seven twelve and three, Uh, and that's in his Golden Knights career. Yeah. If you're looking at just last season. Six one and one, 
at home on the road two nine and yeah. one. So last year was really really pronounced. Yeah. So going in the wrong direction. And I, I suppose you that's need the thirteen question. to fifteen wins at a Malcolm Subban this year. Yeah. Two can, years ago he had thirteen. Can, right? can you? And remember that's when Mark Andre Fleury missed two months. Yeah. Now Subban missed time too, of yeah, course. Right. Uh, assuming that they're both healthy, I guess my only thought is with the numbers that we just reported, Malcolm being so much better at home than on the road. How much? Can or should that play into the coach's mindset of like this week? You know, we're talking about in Arizona, that's a road game. Then you got the back to back Calgary and Los Angeles. Do you start him the home game and let Flurry play no. the road game? Like that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like I- I'm with you, Shane. He's got to learn. This is right. that's that's part of that being in that role, the back to back scenario on the road. That's if you're you're that backup goaltender, those are the games you need to understand and learn how to play. There are guys. That are that could be number ones, but could never be backups, and backups that could be backups, but could never be number ones. Curtis McElhaney, great example. He's a backup backup goalie. If you give him more than thirty games in a year, it's yeah. you're going to see a rapid decline in in, in and the his pressure numbers. of being a number one. Exactly. Malcolm Subban has to figure out because there are times when you look at him and his body of work suggests he could be a number one. In the situation he's in right now, and it's going to be in, if he stays here for a few more years, he is going to be that number two guy. He's got to find out how to slay that beast, how to win on the road, how to how to win when not playing very often. All those things that a backup has to do. Winning games when you give up four goals. You know, oh. sticking around and keep keeping your team in it and waiting for them to find their feet and get that extra goal. Like the formula is pretty simple with Flurry. He keeps stops the opposition to two. Vegas scores three, two points, get on the bird, go to the next place. With Subban, it's not always going to be that clean because there are going to be strange times when he plays and maybe the team takes him a while to start. He's going to have dirtier wins. And that starts. He's, he's got to find yeah. a way to compete. First game of the preseason, Shane, to your point, starts. Yeah. He gave up a couple of goals in the first nine minutes that were shaky. Yep. And I thought to myself, well, let's see how he handles it. And sure enough, he, sh- he pretty much shot it down. That was actually a real important thing yeah. that happened in that yeah. preseason game. And, and then you think about the other side of it. We talked earlier in the podcast about how in the first two games of this season, the Golden Knights have come out in the way that they had so often in year one, scoring in the first five minutes. I'd, I'd be interested to see if you were to look at Malcolm Subban's record what he does if the Golden Knights score first in a game. Mm-hmm. You know, if you you just feel him his confidence yeah. soaring oh, when absolutely. he's playing with a lead, uh, and we know that he's he's you can't always have that. right. You can't always have that. Uh, but I, I'll tell you one thing from a different standpoint in, in his growth. Um, he was having a conversation with Ed Grandy, columnist from the Review Journal, and and I was listening to their conversation, and Malcolm spoke as eloquently as I've heard him speak about this before. His mindset as it relates to his numbers, this home road stuff we're talking about. Um, how many games does Flurry get? How, so how many games does Subang get? All that stuff that Ed was bringing up, Malcolm said, I don't think about those numbers because I can't control those numbers. Here's what I can control. My preparation going into a game. How I'm thinking going into a game. And I am now, at this point in my career, more focused and more prepared, therefore more comfortable, therefore more confident than I have been at any point. Now, that brings up 
there has not been a time in your pro career that you've been a number one goalie in the American League. His first year, like he was kind of one A, and they they alternated in Providence. And Malcolm said, "Yeah, I have not been a number one goalie." So you can look at those numbers, but I don't read into those numbers either. That one year where he started, I don't read into any of those numbers. I only am thinking about my preparation, which leads to the comfort, which leads to the confidence. And you do look too, Dan. And it's interesting. We kind of looked this up the other night because you you want to you want to get the you know what's the ideal breakdown? The magic number this decade has been sixty games for a number one goalie. Sixty games once in this decade. A goalie, a number one goalie, started more than sixty. Was Jonathan Quick? He started sixty nine games in 2011, 2012, and the Kings won it. Every other goaltender from Ante Niemi with the with the Hawks in two thousand ten, Timmy Thomas the next year to last year. It was 60 or less starts. Now, the other part of that argument is you've got to be able to get, as you said, Shane, 13, 14, 15 wins out of your backup. Otherwise, you can't do it. Otherwise, if you're not going to be able to rely on your backup goalie or, you know, if it's Malcolm Subban or whatever team you're talking about, it makes it much more difficult if you can't be confident he's going to go in there and and give you, you know, a solid 17, 18, 19, 20 starts. Yeah, I think 55 to 60 for for Flurry this yeah. year, somewhere in that range. Uh, and of course, health plays a big part in this. And and then yeah, Malcolm Subban's got to step up. But it, and, and Dan just touched on it. it's another year of maturity for him. Hopefully, it's another year of growth, and uh, he's going to get opportunity. I think you got to get him in here as Gary kind of laid out what he would do. I, I think that's uh, exactly what uh, you need to happen for him. The Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Day Podcast hashtag SLGND coming to you from. The D Hotel, the great Andiamo restaurant, our usual uh, corner table for four. Just a reminder, be sure to check out, if you haven't already, Rock Creek Cattle Company, located in the heart of Montana. It's got everything you possibly need. Great golf, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and lots more. Check it out at rockcreekcattlecompany.com. All right, fellas, let's take a look a little bit around the NHL. We're just about uh, a week, roughly, almost a week, a couple of days shy of a week, into the new season. Teams that are off to starts, good and bad. What a shame San Jose's 0-3. <laughs> I, I know people around here are heartbroken by this development. Well, and Scored my, three goals in the three games. Haven't been 0-3 in 25 And everybody's years. favorite player got suspended for those three <laughs> games. Evander Kane kind of did a disservice to his team. with he uh, score five his first game back. Man. Yeah, I'm sure he's not popular in that room even. 0-3 for, to start for San Jose. Um some you know take Kane out of it as he was for the first three games. Some depth issues oh. and holes on that team that were evident at least in the first two games that we saw against the Golden Knights. And, and it is early. It, this is a team, and you know we need no more proof than last year in the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. If you judge too early, right? So uh, there, there's certainly talent. I think Joe Pavelski is just a hole. I don't know how you, f- you you fill that up front. Like not only what he brought, he led the team in goals, 38. Led them on the power play with 12. Uh, you take him out of the lineup. I'm not sold yet on having two dynamic defensemen in Carlson and Burns both on the power play. They both want the puck. There's only one puck in play. Um, so how that dynamic is going to work. And, and they lost, to me, they lost Justin Braun. They, they don't have another strong defensive D-man in San Jose. Carlson and Burns are great when you're going forward with the puck. Um, you know, Mark Edward Vlasic, he's still going to be consistent. Uh, but that's all they have in the top four for defensive defensemen. Brendan Dillon, I like his game, but, you know, I. The other guy they, added, the guy they added, Ferraro, he, 
He's an offensive guy too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Well, they had, he, he's one of three guys who made their NHL debut for the Sharks. Yeah. And Dave said their depth just isn't there this year, but it, it but it is early. And then goaltending to me is still a question. Uh, last year they were able to outscore and overshadow uh, a very low uh, save percentage in their goaltending duel. Can they do that this year? Well, Doug Wilson has kept his team competitive for a long, long time. He's he done yeah. as good a job as anyone else in the, in the National Hockey League. So you give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt to start, but I question their roster construction and where they have money. And you think about it, they traded all that youth and all those prospects for Eric Carlson. And then because he demanded such a large sum to retain him, which you had to do after sending all those prospects the other way, they had to walk on Joel Pavelski. So in essence, they traded Pavelski plus all those prospects for an $11 million defenseman in Eric Carlson, who I'm not sure can push off anymore. We watched a couple of times where he would lose a battle in the offensive zone. And he glides. He doesn't have what play. he used to. He, he he can glide, but can he push off anymore? I'm not sure. And of course, we saw what Jonathan Marcheseau did in creating that goal. First, kind of takes the puck away from Carlson. Burns can't handle it. Next thing you know, puck is in the net. The other aspect of this, guys, Eric Carlson and Mark Stone, both midseason, you know, trade deadline stuff. With the salary cap situation that the San Jose Sharks are now in, if they are on the cusp come February and the trade deadline's coming along. What can they do? I mean, this is not, there's no room to really do much of anything, it seems to me, unless they make a mega splash kind of multi-team huge blockbuster. Well, to Gary's point, they've made the playoffs 14 times in 15 years. And they've they've been able to get there, but, and still a long way to go this year, obviously, but not a good start. Joe Pavelski's new team is not off to a good start. Favorites for a lot of people. Trendy pick, add Pavelski, um... 0-3 0-3 out of the gates for Dallas. Uh, first time since moving to Dallas from Minnesota. So they've they've had their struggles quite obviously early. Well, on. they have, and uh, not sure. Certainly, uh, you know, they have that big line, and they brought Pavelski in to add a little depth. It's uh, that Rope Hens is off to a good start. And you know, we're not saying goals. Sagan, Ben, yeah. Radulov. We're not talking Pavelski. It's, it's Hens and... Um, you know, they got uh, real good defense that can jump up. Uh, Klingberg, uh, Heiskanen. Yep. Um, so, you know, Ben Bishop's a good goaltender. I'm, I'm not sure what's happening there. It's, it's still early, but uh, I tend to see Dallas turning it around more than San Jose, but I could be wrong. The uh, It's interesting. You look at those two teams that are off the slow starts. Carolina Hurricanes surprise you that they go to the East Final last year. Bunch of jerks. A bunch of the bunch of jerks. Three and zero start. Now in those wins, they they beat Tampa, uh, they beat the Capitals, they beat Montreal. But three and zero, three and zero. No matter how you get there, Eric Holler with three goals right out of the gates. <laughs> so yeah, good to be able to see him move on. Um, you know, after a real serious injury last year, you wondered how, you know, is he going to be able to come back and play at a high level? And so far, he's been able to do that. Well, sure. And we were wondering if uh, if the Golden Knights had advanced another round last year, if he might have been available to return. I mean, he was working at it as if he was. And, uh, and I know a lot of people will miss him and the other players that the Golden Knights did not retain. But that is... We Where would you put them? Sal- right. Where would you put them? We we're, we're having trouble fitting some of the ones in right now. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and it's, so there are those emotional attachments. But... The managers have removed the sentiment, and for Eric Hallett to think about health, you know, that had to be the question going through his mind. And also joining an organization that is, um, you know, their, their personality is unique in hockey. 
I don't know how much you can account for that. Still a link to storm surge. The storm surge stuff. Uh, it's I as, get it, but I don't like it. As they say, our players like it, our fans like it. We don't care what anyone else. Oh, and that's, and that's great. And they're off to yeah. a good start. So yeah. the new guys but are I still probably going to embrace it. That's right. You still give my opinion. And how about so you get Eric Halla, three goals. Jimmy Neal with two goals already for the yeah, Edmonton well, Oilers. That's, that's, that's long removed. He now. had eight last year, right? First time he hadn't hadn't hit twenty. You went ten, years, with McDavid you went 10 years in a row with yeah. 20. So Gary Roberts made James Neal move into his house this summer. And he lived there for about a month. Then he said, okay, James, you can go live somewhere else. Like go to the cottage or wherever it was. And then he was going to test him. And if he didn't live up to the testing, he was bringing him right back into the house. So I think... James Neal had, he went to the Stanley Cup back-to-back years, and we saw him. The guy was beat up. Yeah. He, he couldn't eat half the time. He had not teeth. Like, he had a, he, by the end of that run against Washington, he didn't have anything left in the tank. And I, I, I bet you it was really hard for him to work out. Then he did not want to leave Vegas. He made a financial decision. I interviewed him in Calgary, and he looked at me with these hangdog eyes and said, you think you're making a decision, but it turns out you're not. And I've unpacked that one a million times. And basically he's saying, you know, I. you think you're making a, a financial decision, but really you're not. The money is making the decision for you. And it wasn't the decision he wanted to make. He wanted to stay in Vegas. It didn't work in Calgary. Now he's got McDavid. I was going to say, I might have two goals playing with McDavid. Yeah. And the money's pretty good. Uh, you're, you're, you're still in your stall in Vegas, okay? You're not, I haven't traded you to I Edmonton play, I played with McDavid. I, you yeah, haven't traded you to yeah, Edmonton I'm just saying, that's uh, not, a bad, not a bad centerman well, to have. It's good to see both Eric Holla, James Neal off to good starts yep. and, and their teams yep. uh, for the most part. All right, James, so now, now that we've got you back in a stall, All back right. in your playing days. How about what happened in the Toronto-Montreal game the other night? Right? Brain fart. Now, of all places it happens in Toronto, the self-proclaimed hockey capital of the universe, I have a more of an issue. Well, first off, Toronto's up 4-1 at home in the third period. Yeah, That that kind of gets lost in the shuffle with Kasperi Kapitan getting beat to shreds over the last couple of days. But Leafs are up one. Montreal's got a power play, about seven minutes left. Uh, Jeff Petrie takes a shot. Kapitan blocks it, breaks his stick. <laughs> And just kind of in a reactionary, maybe frustration, he throws the stick in Petrie's direction. It's an automatic penalty shot. Petrie scores in the penalty shot, ties the game. The Canadians end up going on to win it in a shootout. Have you had anything even remotely, not so much even happen to you, but have you seen anything remotely I've like seen, that in your career? Daniel Alfredson's stick went in the crowd in Toronto, and that was back in the Battle of Ontario with Ottawa and Toronto and I can't remember the exact circle it was a broken stick as two and he was trying to get rid of it and he said it slipped out of his hand and went up over in the glass in the crowd back then they're a little more lenient towards things and it wasn't as widely and social media wasn't a thing it didn't you know outside of Toronto Ottawa Ontario really didn't get much play uh, it was an issue but um, no and for Kapanen yeah he, he regrets it and you said it it was reactionary it was dumb uh, and it is a game of emotion, and it's a game that happens so fast. Decisions, uh, good and bad, are made in a second or a split second. And this one was uh, considerably bad. Cost him his team, uh, you know, a point. So he'll learn from it. You ever uh, make a mistake? Of course. Something like that. <laughs> 
Like take a bad, pe- I've taken bad penalties. Yeah, yeah, I'm not like that. Probably drilling a guy in the face or something. <laughs> I don't know. But. I was gonna say your biggest boo boo was knocking on Mel Mel Engelstad's porch. I did that one. Yeah, when I fought, I remember my coach told me don't fight. I was in the IHL, right? He was in Orlando. Mel Engelstad said, "Don't fight, Mel." And I meant the next shift I was out there, and he said, "You want to fight?" I'm sure. And it was good. It was really good with the first two punches I threw. But then after that, I ate about five. Kaboom. (laughs) But the best part was, so he was buddies with uh, Bruce Ramsey, who played my team. They both grew up in Thunder Bay. So back then, you never travel out right after. You go out, and you're at the bar. And Mel Engelstad was there with Bruce. And he came up. He was kind of, you know, I was only young, 22, and came. And he showed me in the bar in our suits what I did wrong. It was great. (laughs) That's how hockey was back then. The thing that sprung to my mind was the uh, 2000 World Series. When Mike Piazza's bat breaks, it goes back to the pitcher Rod, Roger yeah, Clemens. Yeah. Clemens yeah. grabs the bat and oh, yeah. throws it into the baseline right in front of Mike Piazza, who was jogging toward first because right. it was a foul ball. And what did Roger Clemens say afterward? I thought it was the ball. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes you get confused. Roger's yeah. not exactly. Roger's no. Roger's never told a fit. No. <laughs> As a Red Sox fan, when he, he his contract was up a hundred years ago, and he said, "I'm either going to stay with the Red Sox or I'm going." home to Houston. And the next thing you know, he went to Toronto, which is nowhere near either place. So there you go. All right, one more thing I want to touch on from around the league before we get to our mailbag. Um, Tampa Bay, three games in, one, one, and one, split a home and home with Florida, and then they lose to Carolina um, in overtime. But, you know, they, they were fortunate to get a point. They don't have a shot in the second period. They get outshot for the game 44 to 13. And Steven Stamkos after the game is, hey, look, We've got to start to pay attention to detail and playing some defense. If we're going to be a freewheeling team, it cost us our season last year when they got swept in the start first round. Start to listen a little too much to, yeah. uh, to the predictions. Uh, this is a team, don't doubt their talent, their skill level, but yeah, and, and, and good on Stamkos. That's the job of the captain uh, to find that right moment. And probably early in the season is a good time to do it, game three, rather than wait before this thing starts to build up. You ever been on a good team where a veteran would stand up and say, hey, if we don't figure it out ourselves, upstairs, oh, all upstairs the time. is yeah, that's pretty out. much the, the first thing that comes out. You know, you don't you don't want you don't want the GM to overreact and make a trade early on. To I bust felt things safe up. though. I knew I wasn't going to bring enough back, so it was okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, move me. But usually that was something. Uh, you know that that goes along when when you have yeah, I got those, your wish, Shane. Yeah, those closed door <laughs> meetings. The closed door meetings. That's usually you know it's yeah. we've got to change it in here. Or they're going to change it, and yeah. yeah and Doug Armstrong did that in St. Louis last year. After they right. made the coaching change and they, they replaced Mike Yo with, with Craig Brunaby yeah. and they brought in Jordan Bennington and all that, he basically said that to the team. Look, I don't want to break this team up, yeah, but, but if I you will. force me to make – if you force my hand, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And they certainly played like they didn't want to Well, that is out. the best response you can look yeah, for that, right that there. Works. That's a, there, there you go. There's that a works. prime example on how to turn it around. In the Stanley Cup. And I wonder there in, in Tampa, you know, it's, it's not the same exact team that – you know, had a president's trophy and then lost in the first round in a sweep fashion to Columbus. You know, like they've got some younger guys that they brought up from the American League, like Dan Girardi's not there anymore. And then the other aspect for me, and with all respect to John Cooper, he is the longest tenured coach in the National Hockey League. And you wonder if the same voice over and over again can affect some kind of a change. If you, It's like you've been hearing the same expectations. You've gone through an entire season where you were as good as a team has been in 20 years, and then you get swept in the first round. So it seems to me not an issue of talent or 
or drive, but mental. You know, if you're hearing yeah. things from, from the, this the same head coach, you also have a new general manager. I mean, Steve Eiserman is now in Detroit. Julian Breezebois now going into a full season as the GM uh, of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and he has not been a GM at the NHL level before. Uh, so I, there, there have to be some concerns there at this point. There are some teams, sorry, Gary, that all it matters is what they do in the springtime. They're at the top of that list. If they go and win yeah. 55 games or 48 games or 50 games, it doesn't matter. They've they're, been one of their better teams. Not their report cards start in April. That's exactly they don't yeah. get. They don't That's get nothing in Christmas or February nope. for them. Nope. You know, you, you make that point about the same voice. I'd love to know who the first journalist or the first whoever first uttered that statement that, you know, well, maybe the message is getting old because we've seen it's become de rigueur in sport that to easy to, out to to fire the coach when things go bad and then there's the other comment well you can't change 22 players so you change the coach and i'll be honest with you i'm not a fan of it because for me john cooper is on and i know you prefaced it and i know you absolutely love coop he'd be on work with he'd him. be on He's a job for a not minute. even a day oh, yeah. right they just you gave him a new mean? contract too you know? i mean the organization yeah. has faith yeah. in him and so. chicago fired joel quenville last year who for my money is you know again he's right gallant cooper quenville they're babcock it's a very short list of the the best of the best so it it, it is interesting and you know this young kid Jeremy Colleton in uh, in Chicago. I, I've heard Jonathan Taves. They they rave about him. They really think that he's done some good things for them. I just it's uh, maybe there's truth to it. I wonder. Well, I mean, they, they he just signed the new contract yeah. in March yeah. of March of last yeah. year, and then obviously and they, you want they to toe tag him. Well, no, I, I, <laughs> I, it's all it, your fault. It, man. it is. It's it is just considering. The, the the tension that has built up there because they've been a good team for several years now. They've been to a Stanley Cup final, but they they have not won it yet. And he became the head coach right after the lockout in 2013. And as talented a team as they've had, wonderful roster that had been assembled, they haven't quite gotten over the hump. And you thought that last year they'd at least get to the Stanley Cup final. Until the Capitals won it, obviously, here two years ago. They were the best team, right? Really, not to win it over the last decade or so. Yeah. Now that's Tampa Bay. Yeah. I know they won it in 2004, but I'm, I'm kind of moving the clock up. The last 10 to 12 years, where they've had, you know, they they lost to Boston in the, in the conference final in 2011. They lost a Cup final um, to Chicago, um, and then last year everything pointed they were primed and ready. But they still have not been able to break. It's a good thing it's an eighty-two game season. Yeah, yeah. It just seems to me it's it is early, and they're gonna they're gonna win a lot of games. But like, where where do they go? Let's talk. You guys do say it's early, but doesn't tomorrow night's game feel like a playoff game to you? Yeah, it's big. The games against against San Jose (laughs) felt they had tons of weight to them, and now I'm like, well, this is one of the best teams in the East. I want to see how they fare. Well, Riley Smith told us before the first regular season game that when you think about the the. American Thanksgiving, and Gary, you brought this up a bunch of times, that if you're in a playoff position around that point in time, late November, that usually is a, a good sign. Now, we know recent history, St. Louis, they the Blues were, shot that whole right. theory yeah. to hell. It's but. Out, but, but, but Riley brought that up and solicited. You know, last year Vegas started 1-4-0, um, and that one win was the shootout win in Minnesota. They did not have a good start last year. So I, we remember how good they started two years ago. So there's something to be said, I guess, uh, depending on uh, which team you're playing for. You can spin it any way you like. All right. It's mailbag time, and the Sheriff Lawless, some guy. Guy named Dave Podcast. 
All right, guys, uh, just a couple of quick ones here for you. We, we already uh, had talked about the goaltending with Marc-Andre Fleury and Malcolm Subban. And Eric-VGKRush on Twitter asks, how many games should Fleury rest this season? 25. How's that sound? 57 for him, 25. For say, I said he should play 55 to 60, so yeah. 25. I'm, I'll go with Dale. I'll say 20. but all that's, 24. <laughs> but all that's predicated on performance. Right, yeah. performance and, and health. Now remember, and like health. he only ended up with sixty-one, but he yeah. didn't play a lot of games yeah. down the stretch. You know, so it's it's not only the number. I, that's my thought. It's not only the number. It's when are those game? When are those days of rest being? Oh yeah, given? it's managed. It's it's management on yeah. on that rest time. All right, let's go to one more quick one, and this is from Carlo on Twitter. Carlo asks, not to get ahead of ourselves or anything, but. With big names, who are the such- Golden Knights going to play in the Stanley Cup Finals? <laughs> no, no. Who are we going to trade for at the deadline? No, no. This, this is not 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 quite that egregious. With big names such as Jack Hughes, Capo Caco, and Kale McCarr, where do you think Cody Glass fits uh, in the Calder Trophy race? Mm. Well, that's up to Cody Glass, yeah. but I think you know he's certainly not. What's he's, the, he's where got the right he, wingers? Where to- is he sitting in the rookie scoring race right now? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. How, Two well, games in, he's got one goal. I, I don't know how many Kel McCarr has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, is I suppose maybe the better question is: It fair to put Cody Glass in that conversation with those other three names? If he sticks Hughes, around, Kako, and sure. if he can stick, stick around and continue you know? to elevate his game and continue to play with two players like Stone and Pacioretty, because I feel confident saying Mark Stone's going to get 65, 75 points. Yeah, Pacioretty, you know. Last two years, either than that, he, he scores 30 goals, so put him 25-plus. So if you're playing with that, you got to think Cody Glass's numbers are going to be up there. And I'll, th- I'll throw this one other thought but in. But there's a big if there. Yeah, well, right. And and usually you have the, the, the young players who you expect to be in the Calder race, but then there are a couple of guys oh, yeah. who were not even a thought at the beginning of the season. Perhaps Cody Glass is that guy that the rest of the league yep. is not even thinking of because obviously Jack Hughes, Capo Caco, and Kale McCarr are names that people know as Calder candidates. Jordan Bennington. Well, yeah. Last year, that, yeah. right? You no, know, he was I, on nobody's radar. I, I just want to ask one. When do we play the Rangers? I know we're in New York for a week in, in December, It's in right? December, yeah. December, I'm already December 2nd. Sweating like it out. The amount of times I'm going to screw up Capo Caco. <laughs> There's no way I'm not going to screw that up on television. Capo Caco? Capo Caco? Capo Caco? Capo Caco? Yeah. That's Thank been goodness they're not. Has been messed up by <laughs> yours truly here in Montreal. Imagine if they were <laughs> on the ice at the same couldn't time. get out of the giggles. It was, you don't want to. You don't want to switch that T for a C or a K. The second one. You I mean. change one letter and it <laughs> goes off the rails. We are now ready to end this podcast because from here it goes all downhill. Well, this has been fun. Our thanks to our friends at the uh, at the D and Andiamo restaurant. Do you have another question, Dan? You're making a. Is that it? You're know? just looking up. When do we play the? If there's a good one. I was looking up the Rangers. Oh, schedule. Okay. We've already moved on from that. <laughs> I already gave, didn't I give the date? Just, I know we're there in December. We get out a little week in New York in December. It's always a lovely time to be What's in the, the name of the restaurant city. you sent to? I was right, December 2nd. December 2nd, the sheriff, right? I was right. December 2nd, but then they come to Vegas December 8th. That was right. the one that oh, I was Oh, good. Right. So twice in uh, six yes. days. There you go. Math is correct. Yep. Yep. That, give, that even uh, improves your chances of blowing it. Messing it up twice yes. in a six-day yes. period. Yes, There'll be multiple uh, screw-ups. All right, Dan, thank you for that tidbit of information. Sure. <laughs> and thanks to all of you for tuning in. Uh, busy week for the Golden Knights. Get started uh, four games and six nights, starting against uh, Boston on Tuesday at T-Mobile Arena. We'll talk to you next time on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast.